0: You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, we thank the Pitt family for reading today's scripture for us. We invite you to keep your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6. These are dark days that we're living in, confusing days, despairing days. My prayer and my hope is that the most thing that we could do for you is to give you the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And so that's our hope today for you. If you're a guest, we hope that you sense that great love and mercy. We invite you, by the way, just stick around for just a moment, greet people. I'm listening to lots of stories of people who are coming to church for the first time in our church and other churches, but because people are so fearful, they're running out the doors as soon as the church service is over with. Put your mask on, stand a few feet away, Have a conversation. We're making an impression on somebody today. Are you listening to me? Right here, I'm right here. We're making an impression on somebody today. So let's focus in and let's be welcoming and kind. Love you guys. Ephesians chapter six. If you didn't bring a copy of God's word, page 1163 in that black book in front of you. As you move into Ephesians six, what you may not be aware of is this is an intense battle scene. The end of the book of Ephesians, Paul enters into an extremely tense scene. It's a scene of conflict and warfare and battle. There's a war going on. In fact, one of my favorite coaches has a saying. He says that no matter the opponent, it's a five-star matchup because we're in it. Gets his team up. No matter who's on the other side, he says it's a five-star matchup matchup because we're in it. This spiritual conflict is a five-star matchup because only are you in it, but God is in it most importantly. And as we gather together, we may be surprised that we're in a battle. Kate and her husband recently found out a little bit more at a crisis pregnancy center. They'd had three kids. They were both working. They were struggling to make financial ends meet. And so this couple, again, parents of three, were considering aborting this fourth child. It was an unplanned pregnancy. But after she saw the sonogram and after he saw the sonogram, they began to understand that this was a life. That's spiritual conflict. It's a difficult day that we're living in. Take a man named Aquila, not his real name. He lives in a place where Christianity is illegal. Aquila had embraced the Lord Jesus Christ in a largely Hindu, largely Muslim context. As a result of this, he would spend most of his day encouraging the gospel like a pastor might. He was discouraged in recent days, though he would deny it frequently. People could tell that his voice, you've heard that, right? Somebody's voice just doesn't have the vitality, the life, And they kept asking him what's wrong, and Aquila kept saying nothing's wrong until he'd gone back from where he lived back to his hometown to visit with his parents. And having visited with his parents, he came back to his friends and finally confessed what was wrong. His parents had cut him out of their will. He'd completely been cut out altogether. And it wasn't so much the money of it, it was what they were saying about their approval of their son. See, Aquila's parents were believers, Like Aquila, when I say believers, in this Muslim context, Hindu context, they'd embrace the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. But they felt that instead of spending his day spreading the gospel in this dark place, that he should come and take care of them all the time. Therefore, they cut him out and gave the money to the rest of the children. This is a spiritually dark time. This is spiritual warfare. Today, as we gather together, we're involved in a war. In fact, would you do a favor with me? I just want to help ingrain this in everyone. Just hold up two for me for just a minute. Hold up the little victory sign. Go ahead and hold it up for just a second. I'm going to ask you to hold your breath, fight a war. Just hold the two up. The Bible says that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're involved in two battles, two conflicts. The first battle is against God. You came into this world addicted to sin, and the Bible says that you don't have peace with God. But the moment you surrender to God at the cross of Jesus, you make peace with God. Now keep the two up just for another minute. You make peace with God at the cross. But the moment you make peace with God, Satan declares war on you. You're in two battles in life. Thank you for holding it up, put it down. Now let me ask you a personal question. Who are you battling today? Are you battling God, are you battling Satan? Every human being is involved in two conflicts at one time or another. If you've yet to embrace Christ by faith, your fight is against God. If you have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ, you're at conflict with Satan. He's declared war on you. Today, I want to help you with this invisible cosmic conflict that the Bible speaks about and the family read about a moment ago. To do so, I want you to see three levels of engagement, the first of which in front of us, beginning in verse 12, is what I'm calling the gift of spiritual sight. The gift of spiritual sight. Verse 12 of Ephesians 6. Let's just read it again. Let's just ingrain it in our mind fact at the exit as we exit the moment we'll recite these words together the Bible says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood so we're not fighting stuff that I can see but we wrestle against this against the rulers against authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places So the Bible's teaching us that we're involved in a conflict that is at once invisible and real. From my viewpoint, because it is invisible, most people don't think it's real. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn back to 2 Kings chapter 6 with me. 2 Kings 6, you're going to want to see this. You're going to think the pastor is making this up if you don't turn there. You've always got to turn your Bible when you come to church. Lots of pastors lie. Lots of them. You think I'm joking every time I say that. I turn the TV on. They lie all the time when I watch those religious dudes on there. So 2 Kings chapter 6, if you didn't again bring a copy of God's Word and you're new to this, you're going to be turning to page 367 in that black book, that black Bible. When you land there, what you need to be aware of, this is an old, old story, 3,000-plus years old. Israel is at conflict with Syria. Syria goes by a different name in this time. When We pick up reading in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 6. When the servant of the man of God, that's Elijah, I-S-H-A, Elijah, the servant of the man of God, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots, was all around the city and the servant said alas my master what shall we do he said do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them Then Elijah prayed and said oh Lord please open his eyes that he may see at verse 17 highlight that underline that please open his eyes that he may see so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike down this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elijah. And Elijah said to them, This is not the way. This is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. This is an awesome story. Maybe you've never encountered it. Let me bring you up to date just briefly. Elijah is a Hall of Fame spiritual giant. If we gave gold jackets and busts to the great men of God, Elijah would get a gold jacket, you know what I'm saying? He is Canton worthy, he's Cooperstown worthy, he's just that good. So Elijah, having a battle on his hand, he's got this servant, this assistant, who has physical sight but he has no spiritual sight. And he wakes up and he says, The enemy has surrounded us. Elijah says, God, would you give him spiritual sight? And so here it is. God lifts the curtain for the servant. And it's right there that he's able to see that God's forces are plentiful. You know, you and I are like Elijah's servant. We may have physical sight, but we do not have spiritual side. We can see physical forces, but we cannot see spiritual sources. We can see physical reality, but we do not see spiritual reality. Let me ask you a question for you to entertain for just a few moments. What if God were to lift the curtain for you? What if instead of the servant of Elijah, what if it was the, what if it was you? And for 10 minutes, you could see spiritual conflict like I'm seeing you and you're seeing me. What if for 10 minutes you could see that? You know, the Bible says, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 13, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, that's Satan, he snatches it away in their heart. What if God were to give us 10 minutes Where he would lift the curtain for us you know what that would look like somewhere there was a decision among the demons and satan i'm convinced of this that they have got a strategy that they send all their minions all over the globe where there's bible teaching churches i think we would see the evil one in this place in this room stealing and snatching away the Word of God, keeping your attention on something else rather than the real thing. I believe that the conflict is is real, but I believe it is higher and more intense than any of you who have engaged in Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam, Korea. And I said that with all due respect. I am the son of of a Vietnam vet. Maybe you've got an uncle or a father in your family. Maybe it's you, where they just won't speak of what was done over there. My father was much the same way. I'm telling you, I think if you had 10 minutes to see this kind of conflict, you wouldn't talk about it either. And then the other thing, the other hand, it'd be all you talk about. I think if you could see this conflict, it would make a night in the emergency room at John Peter Smith or Parkland like the Bass Hall in the Fort Worth Symphony. You say, Pastor, I, I think you're making too much of it, am I? The Son of God in all his wisdom was crucified to achieve victory in this spiritual conflict. If you can get PSD, PTSD for what we engage with, Surely this would happen in this regard as well. If you were to see this conflict, your mind wouldn't calm down. You'd be keyed up. You couldn't sleep for days and for hours. This is the kind of conflict, Mama, that's going around your babies. This is the kind of conflict, Daddy, that's going around with your teenagers. There is a target on are back as believers. If we and I saw this conflict, even the most experienced of us would say, I have no idea that this was happening. See, spiritual blindness impairs our spiritual sight, it does not give us the eyes to see spiritual truth. Spiritual blindness is an impaired ability to see what is around us spiritually. And I want to say this with all due respect. We have blind people who come to our church, and I don't mean to disparage you at all, but spiritual blindness is far worse than physical blindness. Do you know why perhaps the most famous Christian ever lived was given physical blindness at his conversion, Saul? Do you remember the story? He's on the road called straight on his way to Damascus. He meets Jesus whom he was persecuting. And as a result of seeing Jesus, a man leads him. He's physically blind. What is God doing there? He's teaching Paul. You cannot see physically, and I want you to get the sense that you cannot see spiritually. It was on that day that he was given both physical sight and, more importantly, spiritual sight. Maybe you're one of the more than 10 million workers annually in the country of Saudi Arabia. Ten million, and if you're there working in their oil fields at some level then you are subject to the same laws that every Saudi Arabian citizen is subject to that is you are not allowed to meet for worship publicly churches are banned there is no such thing as religious freedom in the country of Saudi Arabia you cannot meet to encourage one another you cannot meet for someone to communicate the Word of God. You cannot meet so that your voices can lift up the Lord and exalt Him. And if you were to be caught evangelizing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, you would be subject to cruel penalties. Make no mistake about it, in spiritual conflict, the tip of the spear is evangelism. The tip of the spear, the edge of the knife, is missions. The evil one abhors when someone comes out of darkness and is given spiritual sight into the light. Pastor, younger than me in southern India, known as the Bible Belt, but even the Bible Belt, there's very little gospel in India. He puts a sign up above his church in recent months. When he put the sign up, a mob violently attacked him. This is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual conflict. This is going on. It is not seen, but it is real. And Saul was given a few days of blindness so that he would be reminded that he wasn't seeing spiritually. And Elijah's, Elijah's servant was given the ability to see just 10 minutes, if you will, Spiritually. If we're going to do battle as believers, if we're going to be engaged successfully in the second conflict, we have to be given the gift of spiritual sight. Secondly, we've got to adopt a daily mindset. Verse 11 of your Bible says these words. Just key on the first two words of verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. There's a lot of things in life that I can do once and never have to mess with. I can get my citizenship in my country just one time. I don't need to do it again. I can come to faith in Christ one time. I don't need to repeat the prayer over and over again. But there are some things that need repeating. I ate breakfast yesterday. I'm going to want to eat today, right? All the men in the room said amen. And spiritual battle and conflict is like that. It is not a one-time thing. It is a daily thing. If all I could do in this series, if all that I were to do in this series is to alert you to just be vigilant. If I never got to the the stuff he's talking about with this Roman soldier, the shield and the boots and the belt. If we never got to any of that stuff in the series, but you just were woke up and I were woke up to this daily need to be vigilant. The Bible says in verse 11 that we are to adopt this daily mindset. A successful life begins with a successful day, and a successful day means that I know that I'm going to go into warfare. I was surprised to learn this. The Golden Gate Bridge, most of you have seen it either in person or you've seen it online or television. And when you see that, it has a characteristic orange color. Now, I'd never given too much thought about the painting of the Golden Gate Bridge. But somebody said to me, do you know how often they paint that? I found out that they don't paint it once a year, or once a decade, they paint it continuously, 365. The reason is there's a high salt content in the Bay Area, and if they're not continually painting the bridge, then rust happens none of us wants to drive over a bridge that's rusty. See, spiritual warfare for the believer is like that. You cannot turn it on one time like in your 20s or one day or once this year. You've got to be continuously painting the bridge. There's got to be a continual vigilance. The Bible says that when you get up, if you're going to experience success and not defeat, you're going to put on the whole armor of God. So you've gotta put on the armor because you're certainly gonna meet the enemy on Sunday. You're certainly gonna meet the enemy on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Every day is a fight. It's a personal fight. Do you remember the first time that you lied to your spouse about money? It's not easy the first time, but it becomes easier the second and the third time. Do you remember the first time that you cheated on a test It may not be easy for you the first time but the second and the third time it became more easy do you remember the first time that you took credit for someone else's work at work it may not have been easy the first time but the second and third time it became easier the spiritual conflict is real and we want to look at it in a personal way today you're engaged with it in your moral fiber your spiritual fiber your faithfulness to the lord you're either advancing or retreating because the truth is, it's easier to cheat, it's easier to steal, it's easier to lie, it's easier to lust and go toward greed if you've done it yesterday. It becomes easier and easier and easier. There's a mark on your soul. The Bible says your conscience is seared. Your heart becomes hard. And if the Bible is correct, If the Bible is correct that I don't just live, the average age of a male is 78 years in America. If the Bible is correct, that I'm going to live billions and trillions of years. Do you realize that? No matter how high the national debt is, you're going to live longer in years. Mind-blowing. And so if I lied and cheat and steal and it becomes my habitual character, it's not just for 20 years or 50 years. It's for 2 trillion years. And the truth is, you're either becoming more radiant with compassion and love, or you're becoming more supernaturally evil and dark. The conflict is personal, it's intense, and it is real. When you give way to grumbling and self-pity, today it may be hard to do that. And then it becomes expected in a year from now. In 10 years from now, everyone expects you to be a self-pitying person, a grumbling, complaining person. You know what hell is? If hell had no fire and all the citizens of hell were together, it is a continual, infinite self-pity party, grumbling party, lying, cheating, stealing kingdom. There'll be no common grace of God. There'll be no one who will open the door. There'll be no one... will look toward make sure the weak are taken care of it'll be darwinian it'll be the weak are eaten by the strong that's what's going on today in your life you say pastor i'm retired those instincts aren't as great as they were when i was young it's going on until you breathe your last right now, counts forever. Your moral actions, you're to put on, verse 11, the whole armor of God. You're becoming more radiant, more compassionate, more forgiving, more loving, or you're becoming more dark. And the sins are your favorite, your go-to sins. You traffic in them, and like a hot blacktop road in the south of Texas or Oklahoma, in time there's a rut there. And it's just easy to travel down that rut. The tires just gravitate toward it. Every day is a fight. And right now, your choices count forever. You're complaining, you're cheating, you're stealing, you're lying. See, sin acts like a solidifying agent. Like jello that is liquid, and at a certain point, it moves to a solid. Everyone that's made jello gets that. Sin will solidify in you, and your go-to sins will be solid inside you. Put on the whole armor of God. You've got to adopt a daily mindset. The trick is, most of us give an excuse. If I were to, like a surgeon locate, like a doctor locate your favorite sin and put my finger on it. You say, well, mornings aren't my thing, Scott. Come back in the afternoon. You know what that's called? It's called an excuse. You don't know the pressure I'm under. I need pornography. That's called an excuse. But I'm, I need to gather this money. I can't be generous with those who are poor. That's called an excuse. You need to adopt a daily mindset. Here's the third on the level of engagement. You're to gear up daily. The Bible says, again, folks. on verse 11. We'll get to the rest in the weeks to come. We're to put on the whole armor of God. The emphasis is on the word whole, not on part of the armor of God, but whole. Now, I don't know about you, if you had uh, parents like mine, but parents tend to have those favorite stories, do they not, that they go back to? We walked uphill both ways in the snow barefoot, those favorite stories. My dad had one of those. My dad was a Vietnam vet. And so my dad was also an engineer and he was a very prepared individual. Pocket had lots of pins, prepared at all times. But God gave him a son that did not like preparation. If Brian and myself were to tackle the same project, he reads the instructions 18 times. I say, there's no need to read the instructions unless it's necessary. Come on, let's go. And so when he was confronted with that, I would hear the same story. So he's in Vietnam and they're being fired upon and he finds a foxhole. And before he can really return fire, the guy in the foxhole says, hey, Mays, you got any bullets. And then my father would make the point, you not only carry your 100 rounds, you carry the extra 100 rounds for the idiot who gets in the foxhole without any bullets. <laughs> that was a rinse, wash, repeat story with my father. Paul's making a similar powerful statement in verse 11. He's calling on us to be vigilant. See, my father was trying to teach me There's going to come a day when you need to think ahead, and you're not going to need to think ahead for you. You're going to need to think ahead for somebody else. Paul's saying the same thing. He says you're to put on the whole armor of God, all the armor, and the armor is provided. He will get to that in verses 12 through 16 and 17 in a moment. He'll take the standard equipment of most likely a Roman soldier, but he wants you to be equipped. In fact, In verses 12, 13, and 14, four times, I would invite you to mark this up in your Bible, four times he calls upon you to stand, to withstand and to stand firm. He wants you to be able to stand against the schemes of Satan. As if, I'm gonna stand out here so everybody can sit, as if your feet are poured in cement so that when evil comes your way, you have stability. You're not going to be bowled over. For you to have that kind of ability, you're going to need to put on the whole armor of God. This isn't a pick-and-choose kind of thing. This isn't, I think I'm going to go meet Satan today. I think I'm going to meet, go into battle with flip-flops, a T-shirt, and a pair of shorts. Nobody does that. Nobody's that kind of idiot for the most part. Do you understand what you're up against? These are your homes, this is your church, this is your community, this is your school, this is the next generation. I was surprised to find out when I asked that a high school coach on average in our area will spend about 20 hours a week watching game film. The Dallas Morning News recently said that a position coach in the Dallas Cowboys position, not the head coach, position coach spends in excess of 20 hours watching game film. Now for those of you who may not be aware, they're watching the opponents. They've sent somebody or they've gotten a video to watch how they block and how they run and who the best and who are the worst and where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are. If a man will spend in excess of 20, sometimes up to 30 and 40 hours a week studying game film for a silly football game, How much game film do you think Satan is watching on you? Don't you think he knows your personality and the buttons to press? That's just a silly game. This is for real. Satan has no omnis. He's not omniscient like God is. He doesn't know all. Satan's not omnipresent like God is, where he's everywhere. Satan's not omnipotent. God is. So him and his minions know your personality, and they know your weak points. They know the pressure points. They know how to get your marriage to fail. They know how to get your mouth to shut up about Jesus. They've watched game film on you. If a coach would do that, certainly they will. They can exploit your weakness. Spiritual conflict involves all of your life and every one of us There's not a man woman There's not a child boy or girl that can escape this there's not a bunker there's not a Safety net where you can escape this this side of life. It engages all of us You've got to gear up daily The Bible calls upon you to stand firm to withstand on a personal level, you're to do this. Because if you're defeated, it's easier for others to be defeated around you. When you're strong, it's easier for others to be strong. And if you're a father and a mother, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be strong in Christ in verse 10. Mom, he's coming after your children. Dad, he's coming after your teenagers. Grandparents, if you're adult kids are out to lunch spiritually he's going to come after your grandchildren you've got to be geared up he's coming after a church that speaks god's word and moves in the community and wants to communicate light in a dark community we're fighting not against our children not against our boss we're fighting against in verse 12 rulers and authorities and cosmic powers in this present darkness and you cannot fight a spiritual battle any other way than spiritual. Did you hear about the cop that was watching a reality TV show and the bad guy went for his gun and the cop shot his television? (laughs) Instinct, evidently. If you think that you can fight physically what is a spiritual battle, you're just as silly as someone who shoots their television. You've got to fight spiritual temptation spiritually you cannot faint you've got to be a person of courage the bible says cowards are cast out of heaven on purpose when you're given the grace at salvation you're given great courage i close with this several years ago my family with some of you went to israel for the first time i wanted my wife to go to israel with me for the first time and she was just totally against it she said what what happens if we both die? Who's gonna raise our kids? Somebody will come along and take care of them. <laughs> well, because I persuade people all the time, she was persuaded by me. She just might my, my, she just can't resist me. And so I got her <laughs> I got her to come to Israel with me. And we had a great ten days together, or whatever it was. The kids went to she actually won. (laughs) If you talk to her about Israel, you know what she she would say? She felt more safe there than she does here at many places. Why is that? We have no enemy that can stand against us. Canada can't take us. Mexico can't take us. Why is it that in Israel when every surrounding nation wants to wipe them off the map, they will say, their enemies will say, they want to push them into the Mediterranean. Why is it that you feel so safe there? Well, of course, the key is they want tourism dollars, right? I'm convinced that they're so successful it's because they don't forget that there's a battle. Every 18-year-old young man and young girl serves in the israeli defense they cannot forget the nations hate them and will attack them they cannot relent for a moment and if they were to relent then safety is forgone and if safety's gone then their nation and perhaps even tourism dollars are gone what i need to persuade you as believers with the help of the Holy Spirit, is for you to be vigilant. To fight the enemy. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.